Are you ready to begin your journey out of the realm of just theories and into a world of excitement and experience that only comes with braving the unknown? Join us as we speak to entrepreneurs who have faced the challenges of successfully creating businesses at home as well as abroad. Whether it's arts, services, or tech, from Shanghai to Tokyo, Bangkok to Mumbai, we'll help you find your inspiration and turn it into action. Get ready for Asia Biz Stories, Entrepreneurs in Action. Now welcome your host, Neville J. McKenzie. Today we are speaking to Moses Kakanga, a uh, PhD scientist from Uganda. Normally you're hearing from Neville, of which you will do in a short while, but you're hearing from me. My name's Andy Kerr and I'm a partner at St. James's Place Wealth Management and I met Moses around 18 months ago at an event um, and found out that his boss was my client. After a conversation, we uh, started discussing some mutual opportunities and Moses interested me because he reached, well, he achieved his PhD, but then he moved into entrepreneurship and now he's part of a small company in biotech and medtech and it's quite interesting watching him evolve and so St. James Place and I are quite happy to support his event. Because uh, all universities, medical school is one of the hardest like faculties to get in. So you have to be top of your class because since I aimed to at first to go into medical school, I always wanted to keep my grades up. Almost me, I'm, I think it depends it's more because I'm a scientist. I'm more interested in the science of the products behind the products, not more on the business side. And now, without further delay, let's begin. Moses Kakanga, can you just tell me something about how you started out, um, like from your, your journey from, say, school? Um, I pretty much did all my early school in Uganda. Yeah. I'm originally from Uganda and I come from um, uh, a town on located on Lake Victoria. It's a peninsula on Lake Victoria called Entebbe, which is the old capital of Uganda. So that's where I did my high school, my from primary and high school. Then after that, I I moved to Makerere University, which is the oldest university in East and Central Africa, where I did a three years course in biomedical laboratory technology. I went on to work for um, an infectious disease research institute for a period of four years. Then after that, I did um, another a master's degree in structural biology from Birkbeck College, University of London. After that, I went back home to my former job to work for another four years. Then I decided to go to graduate school. So I looked around for scholarships to pursue further education. Then I applied for the Singapore International Graduate Award and I moved to Singapore to do a PhD in biochemistry. So what made you decide to follow that journey? Because... Uh, I, when I was younger, I actually wanted to be a scientist yeah. and it just didn't work out. So you seem to have decided that was the journey you wanted uh, to take. I think, right? 
uh, it owes, I think, be, uh, it's, I think, from the community I grew up from, because my dad was a practicing physician for about 40 years, still practicing, retired, semi-retired, and my mom was a nurse, and some, many of my aunties were nurses, and I grew up in a community, a hospital community, where um, um, I saw a lot of, uh, I think it's because of the role models who were around me, and I thought uh, I was interested in having a career in science. First, I wanted to go to medical school, which I didn't, uh, I didn't get the points to get in. Then I ended up doing biomedical lab science. You seem to have had a lot of success in terms of what you're doing now. Would you say that's true? I, I, yeah, I think, yeah, I think it's true. Yeah, so I think it's a, I would say if I look back in my early years of school, I don't know, was it, I used, I think I used to work so hard. And what, what led to you working hard? What was the cause of you working hard? Because uh, all universities, medical school is one of the hardest, like, faculties to get in so you have to be top of your class because since i aimed to at first to go into medical school i always wanted to keep my grades up have you managed to achieve everything you wanted to achieve academically i think i would have 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 achieved all of because most of um the reasons i wanted to go to do graduate school because i wanted to remain in academia or maybe become a professor but after my PhD and me being in Singapore, I thought my I wasn't so well suited for academia. I thought I would do um look for a job in maybe a scientist in a pharmaceutical company or doing other I think I realized that um in if you want to be in academia in the Western world or non developing countries the career development is so so stiff, so you have to publish you have published very well in order to remain in academia. The prerequisites are so stiff. Do you think you would have found that too challenging, or do you think it's just something you're not uh, interested not in? Too challenging, actually, because my former employers had um, wanted to take me back, posting me to a, a university, a lab in the US for two years before I go back home. But um, then I realized that I wanted to do more in uh, biomed innovation to help come up with new devices that help to meet unmet clinical needs. You're from Uganda. I visited in the 90s. I went to Uganda. Before I went, people said to me, oh, it's going to be very green. And that's one of the things I noticed, how green it was. Coming from London, Yeah, I saw just how green and vibrant it was. So um, would you have been in Entebbe in that time? Mm, in the 90s, yeah. yeah. Yes, because I, I left Entebbe in 2003, 2004, yeah. to go to the capital city where the university was to study. Uh, what university was that? Makerere University. It is used to be, it's a former college of University of London. Yeah, so then after independence, it's, uh, it was handed over to 
back to the government. And how does it rank? Um, what I know is in the top five on the continent. And um, yes, it has the oldest medical school in Uganda. So it's um, it's on internationally the medical school is also ranked very well. But in the African rankings, it's in the top five universities. Do they have many international students? Yeah, during the time I studied, um, I did my undergraduate. We had a lot of regional students, a lot of students from Kenya yeah. and um, Tanzania. So from Makerere University, you then went to where? A Backbeck University of London. So I got a, a Commonwealth scholarship, but it was a sandwich. So I was attached to a scientist in Uganda, but in my final six months, I had to go and finish up at Backbeck. Backbeck. Um, where's yeah. Backbeck? It's um, I think it's it's in London. Yeah, University of London, just located there, opposite UCL. And how long were you in London? Um, not because I was there for the last six months to finish up everything. So you only sp- you only spent six months in London, yeah. Because it was more like a sandwich, and I did most of the things attached to a scientist in Uganda. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how did you find London? Mm, it's 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 nice because I already have family there. I have my cousins living there, so I was more, most of the times with them. Yeah. There was a scholarship you applied for for Hungary, and you didn't get that. Yeah. So how did you feel? Uh, I didn't actually feel so bad because I was young. By then I was 18, 17 years. And my dad was a little bit scared going myself alone overseas. And I needed to learn a new language before I started. So I would say that... Um, and by then I was also going to a university in Uganda... So I don't know whether, I didn't feel that bad. I don't know because I was young. But looking back, do you think it's a missed opportunity or? I would say by then it would have been a missed opportunity. Maybe I would have gone, uh, um, joined medical school and I did uh, medicine. I actually didn't feel that. Uh I thought that maybe it didn't work out like for me in order to attain the other things I attained. So you're looking back, you you missed one opportunity, but other opportunities have presented themselves. Yes. So you're content with that. Yes. What has led you to change from academia to medical devices? Um, I think I would think it's like part of what I did for my PhD. Because I was um, doing biotechnology and I was developing biosensors for screening drugs, anti-cancer drugs. Then my interests changed focus and I wanted more to work on the innovation part of it, maybe drug development and device development. And why wouldn't you be able to do that in academia? I would, but as I told you that, I realized that the the career development curve in academia is so stiff and very competitive. So I just decided to, you know, to, to continue with that career track. 
what do you see as the challenges from say academia into uh, the entrepreneur what? so cuz um for person who has been in science for quite some time i would say is um you don't have like the business side of it like maybe business model development customer development market access and so that is i would think is a challenge so most of cases you have to hire a person to help you run the business so um you can still learn it because it's not it's not trivial you can still learn the business side of it but it needs a little bit longer for a person who comes like from academia to get like to get up to date on the business side of it so have you started looking at the business side um uh, cuz right now i'm working with um uh a ceo and um the technical and scientific person so the ceo mostly does a lot of the business side of the company although i can do a little bit of it but most of the times is done by ceo and i basically focus on the science and technology so what's your role described as my role is described as a chief science and technology officer so you're sort of cto so yeah cto yeah, yeah. And is that a job? A, is that is that a role you see yourself continuing in, or do you see as the company grows that you will have to grow into other roles? I think that's um, the role I see myself continuing with, although it's not more into the technology building. So I'm more into the science, where I'm in charge of running clinical trials for the other products. so that we bring them to the market so who would you say your role models are first of all would be my dad because i've always looked up to him like he's always set a high bar and um then um the other role models was my father's boss she came from uh, a family of five doctors So I always looked up to them and I was like oh I think being in a medical field is very look is very interesting and it's a, a career I would love to do then um my other role models have been some of the professors who have supervised me like um, my PhD supervisor he was he was cemented me from for years and to see that I complete my phd and graduate so do you have any role models in entrepreneurship among all entrepreneurs uh, i would say sir richard branson i like the way he built all his businesses from scratch and uh He has always um cuz I had a chance to read both the his books and the latest one and if you read his biographies you realize he's a person who is who has not he started out like with a lot of challenges in um in school and he found out his own niche that he followed and built um, uh, a number of businesses and became a very a successful businessman 
and his businesses have been cautious always been cautious not to not too aggressive to put out other people out of business but he has always done things on his own term and and his integrity and consciousness so is that something that you see yourself following a line that you see yourself following um i think on the business side of it yes cuz uh cuz the field i mean is more on the medical side so i would say is um the the business tracks are kind of different but on the business side of it yeah in a few days you're you're organizing an event called scientist to entrepreneur so what's the purpose of that event so the purpose of that event is the the motivation was to help early stage startups in the field of biotech and medtech get um mentorship or advice from experienced uh, biotech founders on the way they transitioned from uh, being scientists and science entrepreneurs starting their own companies from research from the lab so that's the main premise for young startups to get more added information and added guidance basically from established scientists and where are the scientists coming from the three scientists are, are from the uh, national university of singapore and duke nus but they have their own biotech companies that were spun off from the university and the audience where the audience? the audience is um i think from everywhere across singapore both academia and uh startups and biotech companies yeah. and how many people do you think will maybe around uh, 60 so right now we have 127 people registered but then we always look at 50 or 60% of them why is that uh it's just an estimation we always make that half you will consider half at half of the what you have will how much does it cost the registration is free registration is free yeah you just get on to the the website because we are collaborating with SG Innovate so you just go on to the website of SG Innovate and you choose the events then you look for the event then you apply it's free until the capacity of the the venue f- is met and SG Innovate what's that SG Innovate is a government parastato that helps to develop the deep tech ecosystem in Singapore so it helps deep tech entrepreneurs that in deep tech startups develop and their ideas into a marketable product and it helps them to fundraise also uh, what's deep tech because deep tech is kind of sometimes it's like i say some people always say it's uh it's a confusing term but it was a term coined deep tech ideas are ideas that take a lot of time to develop in that it, it's like deep technology so maybe let's say someone developing um 
let's say uh like a building robot he's that means that he's going to have some patenting to do some of the products and it will go through a lot of iteration is under together final product so that is deep tech or deep tech another deep tech example would be someone who's developing a medical device whereby he has to develop a prototype do prototype testing do clinical trials that means like the gestation period of the product is really long that is what people define as deep tech so how long is long it depends on two years three two years three years yeah so i say that sometimes the definition of deep tech is kind of ambiguous because there are some people who also develop like ai algorithms to help let's say imaging of cancer cells it's also it could be also considered as deep tech because you're using ai to help a diagnostic method do you see medical entrepreneurship as something that will grow in the future or do you think it's something of a fad what i've noticed is a lot of companies are starting yeah in the because medical- um, i would say for the biotech and the medtech field it has always it will always go on cuz there is always need of new for new drugs and medical devices in some areas like in the aging population like in asia there will be need let's say for devices like mobility assistance devices there is need for that and um um it's, it will be always a growing field but for well, i would say for asia because Asia is has like one of the the highest number of people uh so there would be there's i would say there is always there would always be a market for biotech and medtech products because if you consider other markets for example the US which is really big in um the the bay area where because um, biotech and medtech in, is really big and you see a lot of investors so the ecosystem in uh in the US is it has been there forever so it's well developed as compared to the ecosystem in Asia which is just growing but it's pitted to to uh to grow to grow bigger why did you choose to start your business in Singapore why not your home country Uganda I would say uh Singapore being quite a small country everything is pretty much in the same place because I did my PhD in an innovation hub called One North where I would find universities research centers and startup companies located in the same area so you what you do is that you get up meeting people a lot of people in different tracts so it's saying that proximity and what sparked me into doing this venture is that i was able to get into an incubator that helps you to to build the company and how many of you are there in the company right now because it's just beginning we've been in um in existence for 8 months so we are still to yeah the ceo and the cto 
And are you looking for anyone? We are still raising money, but we shall hire someone. We are looking at hiring someone maybe in the second quarter or first quarter of next year, depending on whether uh, we're able to close around. And what role would that be? We need someone in a medical device regulatory in order to help us get into the various markets that we want to launch the product. And what markets are you looking at? So we, um, because right now our first market will be Europe. So we working with a number of hospitals in Europe to do clinical trials. Then after that, we shall get a CE mark. That is a certification to help a medical device go on the market. So we, Europe, then after that, we shall move to Asia and the US. So why why have you chosen that order? Europe? Uh, yeah, it's um, uh, via certification regulatory procedures. Uh, Europe is a little bit easier than getting an FDA. So most of the medical companies from all over the world, they always want to start with Europe, get the CE mark because it takes a little bit shorter than the FDA. And most of the times if you want to move into Asia, if you either have like a CE mark or the FDA, it is easier for you to. And any other markets? After, I mean, the, what about the African market? Um, the African market, maybe. But then we have to look into the reimbursement, the reimbursement systems, who will be able to pay. Then but maybe, later, um, maybe later on, if we have gained some revenues, we can move to the, other, to the African market. So the, the important first step is to prove your product is viable. And then once you've proved it, to be able to raise finance and show that it works and raise money, and then you can look at expanding into say, other markets. Yes. What is the product? So um, what we're working on is that we're working on um, it's a device that it will be used to treat a disease that causes uh, bulging of the eye. So it's a, it was it's a device it was patented by my CEO. So they just insert it in the eye to to treat a disease. It's a genetic disease that causes bulge, your eye to bulge out. So they just insert it in and it reshapes it. And is it a common disease or is it a rare disease? Uh, I would say it's a rare. It's not, but it's very high in Asia. Yeah. More or less in uh, Saudi Arabia, the Middle East. Yeah, because of, it's more because of the genetic reasons. It's very high, but it's about, it affects about 15 million people. Okay. Worldwide, yeah. Worldwide. Yeah, that's that's quite a lot of people. And looking forward into the future, uh, what do you see yourself doing in the future? Uh, in the future, I would say... Um, well, right, in the near future, so we're raising money, but what we want to see is that we build uh, this startup and um, doing our clinical trials to see that we bring the device in the market and try to grow the business. So if 
we can be able to grow it if we can be a leading um company in the ophthalmology space and it's well recognized that startups have a high failure rate how do you approach that knowing that there might be a 1 in 20 chance of success even if you have a great idea a great product yeah yeah um because you also have to think about it that uh for me I always like um uh, if I apply f- to my PhD work there are also also projects sometimes things don't work out and sometimes things work out you move on and do something else but if you give your whole your all to a given like let's say project you see that it works out but if it doesn't work out you move on to other things how long has your startup been going uh 7 months 7 months in that 7 months what are the three or two or one things that you've learned that you didn't know before um i would say cuz i've done a number of things i did this another certificate in medical device regulation which i didn't know before classifying medical devices and i've also um, learned new things in um writing um and uh, designing investor and pitch decks which is and um, which i didn't know before pitch decks so that means you have to present in front of people is that right yes yeah, yeah. pitching for the investor deck is more or less talking about your business your business model your market and um your team so it's like a snapshot of your business idea so how how was your experience with that because a scientist my vision of a scientist is somebody that's in a lab almost isolated from the outside world concerned with real world matters but in a in a very closed environment and when you have to pitch you're standing in front of an audience that is assessing you for that maybe 5 10 15 minutes so how do you make the switch from the two because I was part of an incubator and we had a lot of people who are in business for a long time to guide us on how to venture into the various business aspects because I'm more on the technology side yeah i don't do much of the pitching it's done by my, my ceo Yes, so you you you're sort of in the back room, yes, rather than the front. Yeah, room. Yeah. yeah. Do you see that changing? Because somebody like, say, for example, Bill Gates was very much in the beginning probably a back room person, but then found himself leading the company. So is that something you have? Not really. I'm almost me. I'm. I think it. It's more because I'm a scientist. I'm more interested in the science of the products behind the products not more on the business side. Yeah. yeah, I'm just trying to find out if because you know my experience of the what I see of companies is that the good if you have a good idea and you're not able to project that outside it doesn't survive. 
you know, no matter how good it is. Mm, yeah. So that's a to me that's a worry for any company. Yeah. Yeah. Because basically, um, with my co-founder who is actually holds the patent to the product, yeah. so he's been working with on this product for quite some time. So he has like all the achievement around it. So he is well suited. Oh, he's he's more of a front person. Yes. Yeah. So because he's, he's been working on this product for quite some time, more than two years before we met. So was he a scientist? Yeah, he's also a scientist. He's also a scientist. Yeah. So has he changed over those two years? Yes, he has, because he has taking on more of the business side of as a like product development and business marketing and of the product. Yeah. So if um, somebody wanted to follow in your footsteps, say somebody was at school now in Uganda and they wanted to follow in your steps, what would you advise them? Work hard. Work hard. Yeah, because I would say, yeah, work hard. Because I don't know whether I've worked hard all my life, but a person who always, I, I don't always think that, think they. Oh, some people do say that they do come with luck but me all the things all the because i would see i've been in various academic levels i would say luck might be there but i always think it has a result of hard work because i've always worked hard like when in secondary school i was like reading all the time and being in ex in labs all the time so what i would advise them is uh working hard and uh, reading, um, reading papers and books. I think all the opportunities I've gotten, some of them I've just stumbled upon them when I'm reading books. Because after my um, my high school, I was supposed to go and do um, I, I do medical school in Hungary. Which opportunity I got? I was reading a newspapers. I applied at the interviews. I didn't get in. Then. Then after that, uh, even my undergrad, I I also go, I was able to apply for a scholarship, which I got. But I also found the opportunities and newspapers. I applied and got it. Then um, my for my masters, I also got a scholarship, but I was recommended by a friend. But for my PhD, also I got the the. Um, opportunity i was reading a journal a scientific journal then i stumbled upon the agents of science technology and research in singapore they have scholarships i just applied and got in i don't yeah so it's um hard work with a little bit of luck but more of hard work uh thank you very much moses for this brief conversation on uh what's involved in moving from a scientist to an entrepreneur yeah and uh, we'll keep in touch okay thank you very much for hosting me and uh, I'll keep in touch. I'll give. I'll keep you in the loop of how the company is progressing. Okay, yeah. thanks. You're welcome. Hi, this is Neville J. McKenzie. I had a great conversation with Moses, and his company startup name is Recornia. And there'll be links in the show notes. And thanks to Andy for the introduction. This brings us to the end of this episode of Asia Biz Stories, Entrepreneurs in Action. 
Now we need you to hit the subscribe button and head over to asiabizstories.com for more great information on how to take your inspiration and turn it into action. Thanks again, and we look forward to having you join us next time on Asia Biz Stories, Entrepreneurs in Action.